Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to AMBETS Radio. At AMBETS Radio, we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything AMBETS nationwide. For over 50 shows now, AMBETS Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veterans serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about AMBETS. It's our goal at AMBETS Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to AMBETS Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit AMBETSRadio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the AMBETS Radio train is about to leave the station. Well, good evening, folks. Welcome to AMBETS Radio, show number 71, and it did it again. I went to hit play to play this one song, and for whatever reason, and I don't know why, it didn't want to play when I said go. Now, last week when I did this, it just went on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's not awesome. It definitely is, Perry. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing good, Perry. How you doing, brother? 71 shows, man. Woo! God is amazingly faithful. And, and listen, we got a lot of announcements. We got a packed show tonight, okay? And, Alex, you know, you want our first guest tonight. And we're going to do our national anthem and our prayer and everything that we do. But there's just a couple announcements that I really need to make. One, coming up in August, starting on the 7th, is the 2018 AMVETS National Convention. And Alex, we're going, brother. Yes, we are. AMVETS Radio is going to be live on Thursday and Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And I'm so excited because Commander Polk has got everybody lined up. Matter of fact, you know, and you might not know this, Alex, there are two possibly surprise guests coming to the National Convention. Do you know who those two surprise guests would be? Well, Perry, it wouldn't be a surprise if I knew. Now, would it? Well, but that's the point. I'm going to announce it tonight. Now, it's not guaranteed. It's based upon availability in the schedule. But I've asked Commander that if they do show up, can we get them on AMVETS radio? And he said he will try. Now, that's all I need from Commander Polk because last time he tried, he brought Clay Greenfield on AMVETS Radio for our 50th show anniversary, the NASCAR driver who has the Please Stand car. But here's the big announcement. The new veterans secretary, he's supposed to be there. That would be a pretty good interview, like wouldn't it? Don't, don't tease me like that. But that's not, the, that's not the big one. The vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, is supposedly going to come and visit. Now, when he said to me, well, when he said, well, who did you want to have the show? I said, well, look, I want to go big. Let's go big or go home. Is the president coming? You know what I mean? Because to have Donald J. Trump on Ambus Radio would just have the president of the United States on Ambus Radio would rock. I'm hoping I'll take the VP. You know what I mean? I have no issue with that whatsoever. But I'm so excited because we're going to have all the national leaders on AMVETS radio. Looking forward to a a little bit of break. But tonight's show, Alex, was your brainchild a couple months ago. And before we get to our first guest, I want to do our national anthem. We'll go into our prayer. And then you have a, a, a brand new friend of the show who's going to come on. And I'll let you talk about him. But why don't we stand And let's enjoy the national anthem. Well, 
Father God, it is you and you alone that have seen it fit to allow Ambet's Radio to go on for 71 shows. I can never thank you enough for all that you do, especially for the fact that at the this year's national convention, that there is a possibility that this show can get some funding to continue it. I thank you so much for all of our guests, for all of the people behind the scenes who make this show possible, Father, I thank you. I also want to pray for those that are serving this country right now who are in harm's way. I pray that you continue to protect them, that you continue to shield them from the influences of evil. And for all AMBETS members, Father, who serve our veterans, that you would give them the funds to do what they need to do, the energy to support those that need to be supported. But most importantly, Father, that you would give each and every person that's listening right now peace in their heart in regards to the situations that they're facing. We know, Father, that this topic that we're discussing tonight deals a lot with hurt, past, present, and future. And I just thank you so much, and I love you, and I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Alex, uh, before we go to our first guest, uh, there is an announcement. The first vice of the state of Tennessee uh, sent me an email and wants me to make an announcement in regards to uh, two things that are taking place at the national convention. Number one, uh, the juniors are looking for some support, and they're having a pancake breakfast with sausage, coffee, and orange juice. It's $10 per person, Friday, August 10, 2018, from 7 a.m. until 8.30 or until food is gone. And, of course, it's going to be at the National Convention. I don't know where, um, and at this time I don't have that. But also this year, the juniors have instituted an, an, an annual award pertaining to the Sitting Juniors President's Fundraiser called the 1947 award and it's going to be presented to the member post department or organization as a whole that contributes the most money or raises the most funds by purchasing a 50-50 ticket from the juniors whoever the person is or whatever organization it is that wins will receive a 10 by 13 plaque as bragging rights until the next annual convention uh, Steve's hope is for this award to be desired by all members of every part of our organization and in turn will have the fun and camaraderie and raising money for a great cause, which this year happens to be St. Jude's. So there you go, Steve. Thanks for the email. There's the announcement. Alex, our first guest. When you told me about this guy and you sent me the video and I saw what he did, talk about a heart. Would you please tell our audience about Andrew, what he did, and go ahead and introduce him, and we'll get him on the show. Well, Perry, I mean, like you said, when I first heard about Andrew and what he's doing as, well, many of us know him as the Good Cemeterian, found restoring headstones of not just, you know, our, our nation's veterans, but, but those who have been forgotten by time and a lot of these tombstones have been degraded and uh, decayed by the weather and the elements down in that, you know, in that Florida tropical climate. But but this man recently, as big as the vice president seems, recently shared the stage with the president of the United States, the VFW National Convention in Kansas City, Missouri, receiving one of their most highly respected awards. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Andrew Loomis, the Good Cemeterian. Andrew, how are you doing today, brother? Great, Alex. How are you? Not too bad, brother. It is such a pleasure to have you on this show. I mean, we are just packed with wonderful guests tonight, and I mean, I couldn't think of anybody better to start it off. Well, it is my pleasure. I am uh, really pleased that you chose to, uh, you contacted me and that you invited me onto your show. I, I consider it an honor to have the ability to do so and to speak to you. Awesome. Think about for a moment that song, Alex, that we played about You're Not Forgotten. And I think, Andrew, about what you do and how you take your time and your efforts to make sure that those that aren't even here anymore are not forgotten. I mean, I've had that song loaded for three weeks. And when Alex told me what you did, I said, this is not a coincidence by any shape or form. So thank you on behalf of Ambets for, for joining us tonight. Well, it is, it, it absolutely, it is a pleasure and um, to have the ability to have a forum to tell some interesting stories about others. I know this, the spotlight sometimes shines on me a little too often in my opinion, but it does give me an opportunity to, uh, to shed that same spotlight on uh, the true heroes that, that represent our country and everything that, that, uh, that it represents. So uh, thank you for providing me the forum to have the ability to speak to you and to be able to tell stories of others and, and tell you why it is that I do what I do and, and not, I am not alone. And you will learn that tonight as well, that I do not do this all alone. And Alex, you know that already too. Yes, sir, I do. And I mean, that that's another great thing. So Perry, we also have a, a great announcement coming up and I'm going to let Andrew make that announcement once we get done with this interview. But Andrew, when you told me how you got into this, it was just absolutely one of the most touching stories I've ever heard. And like, it really compelled me to want to know more. And, and I couldn't think of a better forum. I mean, if you could tell our listeners tonight, what really got you into this? Well, it's, um, it's a, it's a passion that's evolved over time. Initially, um, it was simply doing, it was completing restorations. I made an observation of, I, I, I actually call myself an amateur novice photographer, and I photograph everything. I'm that guy on your social media feed that you roll your eyes when you say, oh, he's, yeah, there's another picture from Andrew. Um, that, that, that's who I am, and, and I stumbled upon a cemetery, very old cemetery in downtown Tampa in Florida. And in that cemetery, uh, it was beautiful. I photographed it. And then after that, shortly thereafter, I went to a second cemetery. And upon arriving at that second cemetery, I made an observation. And the observation that I made was that the monuments to our heroes and those who served our country from in this area from some of the early Seminole Wars through the, um, through the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, the First World War, and beyond, they were in – they were unreadable. They were unrecognizable. And it, it infuriated me to see them in this condition. So what I did was I took it upon myself to learn how restorations and monuments are maintained in all of our national cemeteries and what the products and procedures are in Arlington National Cemetery, gained the um, acceptance of some cemetery management and owners to begin completing restorations on all of their veterans and the veterans' families in the cemeteries, free of charge to everyone, and they embraced me, and, and the, the movement began. Now, were a lot of these headstones and, and 
monuments marble? Were they granite? What kind of material were they made out of? Well, the monuments are, are a variety of things. They can be sandstone, they can be granite, they can be marble, but predominantly they are marble and they are granite. That's the two most common uh, type of restoration or monument that I complete. Uh, and also, yeah, I mean, that, that's predominantly what, the, what it is. And we use the only approved product for all of our national cemeteries and United States territories. And all restorations are actually completed by hand. Now, how did you actually learn to complete these restorations and conduct them in such an appropriate manner? Well, I, I went I went to the uh, – there's a, a cemetery division for the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I found some information there, and I just kept researching and researching and researching proper procedures. There are also restoration companies. There are businesses that do this all across the country. And I partnered up with a, a pretty major one uh, who also was uh, passionate about – is passionate about restorations, but they uh, they provided me with some additional advice. And then the unique part of, of what we do is that um, we I, there's no charge, you know, so everything was out of – went ahead and, and totally did, did the restoration. And I clumsily didn't want to just complete the restorations, and I just shared this on my own personal social media at the beginning. When I did that, I did clumsy Google searches trying to find out information about the people I was restoring as much detail as I could, and it was very difficult. So that's evolved into much more detailed genealogical websites and research that, that we do as a team in order to on, honorably tell of each individual story. And, and the restorations themselves, if, for whoever follows our social media – You'll see a before and an after photograph, but the restorations, because of the way they're completed, typically take between two and nine months. So you look at it and you see it makes, may have taken me a day to do that. But in fact, if you look in the background, you can actually see seasonal changes because that restoration may have been done three, six, nine, or 12 months uh, ago it was begun, and you'll see what it looked like when I began it versus what it looks like now, including vegetation, trees, uh, all different types of conditions. You'll be able to see that in the background as well. Now, me and you have talked before. I know it. A lot of the people that you've worked with know it. You're a big history guy, aren't you? I am. I love history. It's uh, it's almost like a drug. It, it is, and, I, and that's what I found myself. I mean, that's one thing about history is – not only can it indulge you into a world of of forums and senates and you know Greek mythologists and and but it can also teach you about the people who have come before you so you could also honor their memory and I can't think of a more true form of that than restoring one's burial marker now there's several of these markers that are absolutely you know severed in half and truly just eroded by time to the point where you could barely read it. How how complicated do those ones get sometimes? And have you ever had to walk away from a project? No, I've never actually walked away from a, a particular project. Some restorations require a very special epoxy to, it's like putting a puzzle back together. Um, you know, you may have a couple where they've been vandalized or were broken decades or a century ago where there may be pieces missing. Those are ones that 
you may not be able to do exactly what you'd like to do if there's missing pieces. But predominantly what you're going to use is a very safe epoxy for the type of material you're using to put them back together again. And you don't want to have any overflow from the epoxies. And, and what you'll see in some of the restorations is they may have been destroyed, broken 50, 70, 80 years ago, and someone repaired it either well, either very well or very poorly. And you can see a poor restoration where you see the hardened epoxy dripping down the center of a beautiful monument. Kind of ruins it, but, you know, you can, you can see it, and you know that it's in 1930. Uh, but they did their best. They just, you know, it was kind of sloppily done. Plus there probably weren't a whole lot of of ways to learn how to actually properly restore a, a monument. So I'm assuming, you know, all those years ago, they kind of used what they could to try to fix it to the best of their ability. Now we have much better resources, and we can do things and make them look much more seamless than they could have so long ago. But uh, but that that you know, those those are the most challenging. If you're missing pieces, that that can be a problem. But otherwise, we don't walk away at ever. That's amazing. I mean, some people would have walked away right even before starting because it seems just like a, a monumental task. If no pun intended, actually. I mean, I'm sorry about that, but uh, no, no pun intended on that. But you know, I'm it, sure you're approached by. So what I was well, going to go tell you, when you when you love doing something as much as what I what I do and what what Jen, my assistant, does, it does. It's not a. It doesn't feel like a task at all. It, it's just purely enjoyment. Um, and and, and uh, the way I can describe it is, you know, and I, I've said this before, but it's like a, an amazing moment in your life when you have a graduation or wedding day, the birth of a child. It's repeated time and time again with these restorations. But it's not simply the restorations, but it's also the telling of their stories through the genealogical research. And the evolution continued even further from just the genealogical research to telling a story. And we've gotten quite a bit of attention. So when you, the more attention you get through media, the more people will potentially follow you through social media and forms of social media that we have. And what I did not ever see was the passion that we have from others who love what it is that we do from people from every city, every state in the country, and every continent on earth. And the evolution continued even further along because something else I never anticipated was we can tell you a story of a family that lived 150 years ago, and we're going to write it eloquently, accurately. We're going to write it respectfully. But those stories resonate with people who are living their lives today, never saw that coming. So you have this following that continues to grow. They read the stories that we tell. We uncover heroes who never bragged, never talked about their incredible service to their country or, or what they did or, or the impact they made on their country, their city, their state, their town, the world. They just went about and they conducted their duty. They, they lived their life. They took care of their families. And when you read those stories today of why when we uncover these incredible facts and details, history books that – you, these are these are we're creating history books that that don't exist or didn't exist before. They're personal history books, but you read those stories and people feel them based upon their own life experiences, and that's how this has really become so important to each of us, as well as the audience that seems to really love it nearly, if not as much as we do. 
Say again, Andrew. Did you miss me? Wait, what'd you miss? Oh, I I didn't know if there was anything after that. I do apologize. It kind of like tabled off. I, it, it seems like you're a modern day archaeologist, but in a different fashion. I mean, you're restoring this history now. When you tell these stories, when you research it through these genealogical records, and and you go back, how many of the time do you? Because I'm sure you get people who want to conduct this and come and approach you about how you could do that, and we'll get to that in a second because we have a wonderful announcement on that. But how many people from these families of these deceased relatives actually approach you afterward and say, hey, I didn't even know that they're that I was related to them, but I really appreciate, you know what I mean? Or I didn't realize their, their gravestone so deteriorated. Thank you so much. It's grown. It, it's interesting because it started off slowly. I mean, typically, and, and what you want to do is you, you, you have to do legally is you want to get either permission from a, a family member slash descendant or whoever the caretaker of that cemetery is. So you want to make sure you have your proper permissions, first and foremost. But sometimes when we have cemetery permissions, uh, there's, there's one I'm working on right now, um, and we have an open invitation. And so people are learning of the restoration, and we, we actually do uncover things that family members never knew. And we, it, it, it's so humbling. It becomes, as you can probably tell by now, I'm not at a loss for words ever. But they do, they, sometimes when families approach and they are thankful for what it is that we do through the restoration as well as research that they may not have even been aware of for, a, for their family member, um, it will shut me up and I will listen to them because it is very, very humbling to hear um, how happy they are. And, and there's a lot of tears, but they're happy tears. And at that point, you just have to put your listening ears on and let them talk and let them tell you how, what it meant to them and how important it is. And, and, and that helps to motivate me and it helps to motivate my assistant, Jen, because we know how important what we do is to people. You know, it's a unique way and it's, it's, it's something that's probably not very done very frequently or very, very often now or before. But um, but we have we we firsthand see the impact that we have on people, and it's become a responsibility of sorts. So that we make sure that that we do things the right way each and every time. We take no shortcuts. Now, when the VFW approached you about this national award and coming to Kansas City, Missouri, and receiving it on the same stage as some of you know the most prestigious veterans in our country, the president of the United States, who received an award that's actually been given to four previous U.S. presidents. I mean, how, how, how humbled and shocked were you when they approached you? And how did it feel? Words don't really convey it. Um, it it's really difficult to describe. It, it's, it's like you, you're in a vacuum. You, you, you're, you're honored. You're thankful. You're humbled but you try to process it at the same time because you think in your mind, for me anyway, you're just doing the right thing. You're doing something that you love and you're helping people. But it's when you get recognition, like it's a little stunning. It it takes me out of my element a little bit. And and again, although I'm not at a loss for words ever, for the most part, it, it, it does take you back. It kind of surprises you. And when you get on stage and there's 11,000 people in the audience looking back at you, you kind of realize that you're onto something. And it does 
it does kind of put you in, in, in a spot to make you contemplate. What I try to do, and I, I did, um, and I spoke on last week in Kansas City at the convention center, is in advance, I, I told myself that what I said earlier on your program is that you have moments in life, and you really need to cherish and embrace them and not try to rush through them. And, and it's not easy, and, and I would say I was definitely not as successful as I would have been on stage. I, I know I left some things out that I would have loved to have said. I, I you know, did some important things that you, you kick yourself after you walk off stage sometimes. But um, you, you look back at that audience, and you hear people cheering, and, and people are, are calling out your name and taking pictures and video and, and all that, and, and you just try to take it in. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to a point of, of life where, you know, I, I try to appreciate those moments and, uh, and, 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 and take it for what it is and, and know that this is just another way that helps me to spread the word and uh, to help others. And, and that's amazing because, you know, you see a lot of these people who come out and they just solely do things these days to get something out of it, whether it's recognition, a, a paycheck, uh, appreciation, or acknowledgement. It, it's it's very refreshing to have somebody who's doing this because it's for the right reasons, because they care, and it's selfless. I mean, that is that is like at the core of what a, a good person that I believe, I mean, are, what makes us citizens. There's a difference between being an American and being a citizen. And I feel like a good citizen is somebody that goes out there every day and no matter what the cost or, or the toll it takes on them, they do things for others because it's the right thing to do, because it's what they would want done to for them and to them. And you're already a living embodiment of that by not only your actions, but by how you tell the stories, by how you photograph it, by, by how you go through the genealogical records. You contact the family and ask permission, and not only do you just do it and get it done. You sit there and you listen to that family member tell the story of their life because this relative would probably, if it was not for them, they would not be here either. So it's, you're hearing this record of this person's life and their ancestry, and it's, it's just refreshing that now, – now, Andrew, how old are you for some of our listeners? Because – Oh, Alex, come on now. You you just killed it for me. I don't oh, like come. to talk about that. Yeah, oh, my gosh. I'm ancient. I'm ancient. In, I, I, in dog years, I probably died at least six times at this point. <laughs> We're going to get to dogs in a second. Watch it. I mean, you <laughs> that's might, right. That's you, right. We are. You are. So, yeah, I'm, I'm up. I'm, I'm, too, I'm, I'm older than I'd like to be, and I'm... I don't even want to admit it anymore. Gosh, if I was a woman, would you ask me that question, Alex? See, now I'm getting off, you're getting oh, me off track. Oh, you pulled that card on me. I Damn totally it. did. I totally oh. did, Alex. Get you know, absolutely like it, though, he because... would. Listen, he is not a respecter of persons, okay? He'll have no problem <laughs> oh. asking that question to almost anybody. 
what I would like to do, Alex, is um, we've got we're 46 minutes in, and what I'd like to do, I know he's got an announcement, and he also has a special guest, and what I'd like to do is probably spend the next 15 minutes on that, and then we'll spend the remaining parts of the show finishing up on the conversation with veterans homelessness. Was there anything uh, which has not been discussed uh, that, that you wanted to make sure that you covered on AMVETS radio, sir? That move for me or for Alex? For you, Andy. For you. Oh, Alex will never well, be quiet. I don't expect him to. <laughs> uh, well, we actually are. We, we're going to be making a big announcement on Friday. We're going to um, we're going to be giving away what we call starter kits to people all across the country. We are going to ask people. You guys are getting you guys are getting the lowdown before anybody else. Just so you know. We, we are going to be giving Yay. you're getting the scoop. You get it before anybody else. We're going to actually ask people to join. We have two pages. We have our main page, and we also have a group page. We're going to ask people to film a 60-second video, students, scouts, everyday folks, to uh, tell us about a project they want to take on, a restoration project that they're looking to take on. And at the end of each month for the rest of the year and well beyond that, from what we can tell, it looks like we should be able to go well beyond that. We're going to give away two starter kits with all the products, process, and instructions needed for them to complete restorations all across the country um, in, in the honor of whether it be family members or soldiers or veterans, anything that they want to do, but they're going to be chosen between Jen and I, as well as audience participation, is going to choose our winners every month. And we're going to have a couple each month that we're going to, we're going to pro- provide them with the, all of the proper materials needed, and we're going to ship it to them free of charge as winners of the two winners each month of a contest that we're going to run. And additionally, we are going to start, we've got permission from a cemetery to restore the entire cemetery, and there are thousands of veterans there. And we are going to start doing small um, group volunteer restoration projects uh, for the foreseeable future. So we're, we're in the process of putting that all together, and uh, we are, we're coordinating that, and we've got some really good things happening there. So those are really exciting things because we have so many people, Gold Star families, um, people who serve, disabled veterans, that reach out to us every day, hundreds of messages a week that want to volunteer. So we're doing everything that we can in our power because all this stuff requires funding and money. So we're, we're, we're increasing that so that we can help others because it is very therapeutic to all of those who do this. And once you get into it, even here in the hot Florida sunshine, you don't feel the sun. You just feel the accomplishment. You feel that you're making a difference. And we, we want to pass that feeling on to people all across the country. And that's our plan. That's what we're going to do, and that's what we're pledging from this day forward. Now, Andrew, we now, have up a lot to this of point, ahead, very sorry. quickly, up to this point, um, would you share your, your website and your Facebook and some contact information for anybody who wants to get a hold of you or to see your work? Because up to this point, we haven't mentioned any of that. Sure. Uh, well, let's go through social media first. It's pretty easy. Uh, on Facebook, we are – the Good Cemeterian, and Cemeterian, we spell it C-E-M-E-T-E-R-I-A-N. So both of those are The Good Cemetery. That would be Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, I'm just plain good, Good Cemeterian one on, on, uh, on Twitter. 
And then our website, tarian.org. And that is our website. Those are the best ways to reach us, to, uh, to see our work, and to email us is uh, thegoodcemeterian at gmail.com. So if anyone wants to contact us directly, our email address is thegoodcemeterian at gmail.com. Your work is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we also want to make sure you mention that you do have product for sale on there, and proceeds from that product goes to future restorations as well. So go check out at thegoodcemeterian.org. Check them out. Take some of that product home. There's paint. There's posters. There are bags, T-shirts. It's great stuff. But thank you for giving us that first scoop. You heard it here on Anvets Radio first. So if any of our Anvets are down in the Tampa area, reach out, help, contribute. It's a great cause. But you have somebody else with you tonight, and they are. This is actually a great thing because it's her first time ever being interviewed while being part of the Good Cemeterian. No, another it's not. Scoop. She was actually a, wait, wait, on the radio, her first radio. You, so, yes, you get her first radio interview ever. <laughs> Gotta love it. We're getting all kinds of scoops today. Yeah, you get introducer. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, my assistant, my wonderful assistant, Branson, Pennsylvania, but now living here in Florida with me. Well, not with me, but uh, nearly with me in the next town over is my wonderful, amazing assistant. Her name is Jen Armbruster, and I'm going to hand it off to her now. Hello. (laughs) Hey, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. How are you? Not too bad. We're we're catching all kinds of scoops today. We're getting, you know, the scoop on your guys' contest coming up. We're getting the scoop on Jen's first ever radio interview. This is great. I'm loving it. But yes, I'm excited and nervous, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the writer, the researcher. So when Andrew does his genealogy research on these veterans, on these deceased people within the cemeteries. You are the person at that forefront, aren't you, Jen? I am. He sends me the information when he's in the cemetery, the birth date, the death date, the name, everything, and I find as much information as possible about the person. And I love when I find the obituaries, and um, then I write up a biography, and we post it on Facebook. That's so awesome. And so we can thank you as well as him for getting as much information as we have today about some of these veterans. Oh, yes. Thank you. And I love doing it. I feel like it brings them to life one more time and honors them again. Now, how did you and Andrew connect? I mean, I already know this story. It's a great one. I'd like for you to tell our listeners. Okay. Well, I'm a great researcher and I moved here from Pennsylvania Um, I was with my daughter's father at the time, and he was a Marine with PTSD, and he was going through a lot with his his suffering. So um, I needed an outlet, and when I came across Andrew's story, I really liked what he did and thought maybe someday I can get involved with veterans and helping them. So I just, I followed the Good Cemetery page, and then one day he was in over his head with work and um, restorations, and he didn't have time to research on his own. So I just randomly reached out and said, hey, I'll help, because I'm a chronic volunteer. (laughs) 
and um, he gave me a chance, and here we are today. That's so awesome. Now, this isn't your only project that you work on right now. You're also the co-founder and owner of Luke and Lulu's Island Dog Rescue. Is that not right? Yes. My father and I started that in 2015 when I moved down here as well. And um, I, I've saved dogs from high-kill shelters in Florida. It expanded to deplorable conditions, um, owner surrenders, and anywhere that it's needed, um, you know, dog fighting cases and et cetera. And I match them with the perfect families, and they have their happily ever afters. Now, what got you into dog rescues? I mean, you told me a story earlier earlier about a dog that was returned to a shelter that you later returned in life to meet again. That was absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Would you mind sharing that for our listeners? Sure. Um, my dog, Ginger, was turned into the Humane Society when I was a little girl. And um, a few years later, my dad started dating my stepmom, and she brought me to her grandmother's farm to see the horses. And all of a sudden, Ginger came running across the farm. And at that point, I realized that I wanted to be a dog rescuer because I saw how great of a life that Ginger was having. And, um, you know, she was given a second chance when before I was so upset for losing her to like having her surrender to the shelter, but I wanted to dedicate my time to animals. And like animals, I, your, your passion extends further than just animals when it comes to second chances, because you have a project coming up that you're actually in the beginning stages of getting started. And that ties directly into our homeless veteran topic that we're going to be talking about today. Could you divulge that to us? Sure. I, it's the dreaming stage right now, but um, I've connected since then with a lot of um, already existing organizations like um, the Paws of War, and I reached out to um, my animal control officers and kennel attendants that I've connected with through the rescue to see if they would be on board for something like this. So my idea is pretty much Habitat for Humanity meets Soup Kitchen meets Wounded Warrior Project to get homeless veterans into a temporary stepping stone facility and um, back into the VA system and get the benefits that they deserve so that they can live healthy, long lives. And in the meantime, while they're doing that, give them a job and if they want, if they love animals and would like a companion, have them volunteer at local shelters. And um, after passing the psych evaluation at the VA, um, they can take an animal to their temporary home and foster the animal. So therefore, it would be therapeutic for the veteran and it would um, save space in the shelter. So it's similar to like an equine therapy that a lot of our veterans go through to help take care of another living creature, and it, and it gives them that companionship. Now, do you anticipate possibly turning these vet, these shelter animals into service dogs or support emotional support dogs as well? That's what I'm hoping for the Plaza of War to come into play, where they actually offer um, free training for veterans once they're approved with the VA to have a service animal. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. Now, I mean, I can't help but think about it, and and I'm trying to find a very respectful way, but when you think of, you know, shelter dogs, you know, these are creatures that are some of the most loving, generous, you know, do anything for you kind of, you know, beings on this earth that are just given up on. And it yeah. seems like a lot of our nation's veterans, especially the homeless ones, 
are treated in a similar fashion. They are shrugged off by society. They are not treated with the same dignity as the rest of us. You know, there there are many people like I saw a meme today on Facebook. It was a little gif, and it said when you when you're at a stop sign and you're reading a, a homeless man's sign and you get caught, and he's like turning away from it. And I was like, you know, that's sad that we as a society are not just doing that to our our you know fellow veterans, but any living creature deserves that second chance. Can you hear the beeping? Okay. <laughs> yes, and um, <laughs> did you hear the beeping? I did not. Um, it was... Okay, that's good. <laughs> so, um, yes, back to what we were saying. Um, I agree, and I feel like everyone sometimes needs a voice and needs someone to, you know, push them in, in the right direction, you know, lead a horse to water, so to speak, and try to get them the help that they they need and deserve. Because a lot of them, I mean, I know going through it with my daughter's father, it was really difficult for him alone to go through the application process of increasing his disability. And it was frustrating, and he would shut down, and, you know, I had to just keep him going. And I feel like there there needs to be that support system there for everyone and people from all over. It would be great for us to all work together and help one another. And it's giving back that second chance in life. And, it's, and it ties into the same kind of work you're doing at the Good Cemetery. You're giving this deceased veteran, this deceased person, their mo- their monument and memorial to, to give a second chance to tell their story once again and to live on mm-hmm. another life through the telling okay, of their story. It puts their footprint into the history of this world. Yes. And if if we could just all come together and help give that second chance back to one another. And and that's the thing. You don't see a lot of people who are doing it solely for the right reasons. They want some recognition out of it. They want to, you know, they make, you know, it's not just because it's the right thing to do. They're doing it because there's some monetary gain or acknowledgement. And to have people like you and Andrew doing what you're doing because it is the right thing and it's something you care about gives me faith back into society. Yes. And I mean, I see a lot of it on, on both ends, you know, and especially with the animal world of animals being treated terribly and given Mm -hmm. the second chance and they're so appreciative and just watching an animal that has never been shown love before receive love. It's, it's so amazing. And just to see them blossom into who they're supposed to be. Now, me and you, when we were talking earlier before the show, we kind of discussed about not being shown love and with our nation's veterans as well before they even serve in the military, not knowing what true love is. You know, a lot of people know my story, but, you know, you you had heard a similar – you had told me a similar story that you had known of, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to give your side of, you know, that spectrum. Um, yes, I feel like um, a lot of times, I mean, it's not all the time, but a lot of times there's past abuse in in a veteran's life who suffers from PTSD. I mean, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but it's just from the people that I've encountered in life. And, um, you know, they they have this internal and invisible scar that they hold with them, and they introvert. 
and there's no way out. So, I don't know, I just see there's a lot of connection with that. Now, if somebody wanted to go out and help the way that you and Andrew are helping, especially with a, a, a shelter, giving a second chance again, how would you recommend mm-hmm. people going out and doing that? Um, I mean, they're welcome to contact me through the Good Cemeterian to see if, if there's a local shelter in need of volunteers. But I know in Florida, we definitely need help a lot as local shelters. And that's why it would just be amazing to have a program of volunteers and then turn it into a fostering program where the dog or cat or whichever animal they choose would get out of that shelter and open up space for another animal on the street that needs needs a home. Awesome. Is there anything you would like to talk about before we take our next commercial break and move on to our homeless veteran topic that we haven't talked about so far? Um, Just, I mean, no. Be kind to animals. Um, information. My, oh, for Luke and Lulu's Island Dog Rescue, you can go to www.islanddogrescue.com to reach us, or you can find us on Facebook. Now, do you have any animals currently up for adoption that you'd like to put on the spotlight right now? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of my, my favorite one. The one that touches my heart the most right now is poor Lily. She's afraid of thunder petrified she really would love a home out of florida she's a senior she's nine and a half years old um her she family needs a buddy. she does and that's exactly what i said on the rescue page she needs a thunder buddy and her family passed away in a tornado and she was the only there so now, for she anyone is blind has, in one eye though right yes, she is she's blind in her right eye and she does um, she well Oh, yeah, she's great, and she gets along with other dogs and people and kids. She's a very sweet dog. It's just whenever she hears the sound of thunder, she gets very scared. <laughs> so she definitely needs a thunder buddy. Awesome. Yeah. Jen. What an interview. Oh. <laughs> it's amazing. She did great. Isn't it, Perry? Oh, well, you know, here's the thing too, and 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 you also have the ability to listen to this later, so that you can hear yourself and you can hear that we're just not blowing smoke. I mean, you actually did really well. So just know that that not only were you made for for radio, but you could be ready for TV. So no, but who knows? Blowing smoke, but that's it. Thank you, guys. No, thank you, guys. Harry, <laughs> what an interview. I mean, yes, sir. tell me about it. I mean, no, it was awesome. And again, well, and see, one of the reasons why I was, I was so excited about having them on is because, again, you know, this, this really comes down to just not forgetting some really important values that this country holds, and it has to do with honoring those who serve this country. And uh, what I'd like to do is I want to take a quick sponsor break, and we're going to come back. We've got one, two, three, four, five, five people on hold. Oh, come on now. I count to 71 (laughs) if I had to, obviously. (laughs) Folks, don't go anywhere. Ambits Radio Show number 71 will be right back. Today is July 31st, 2018, and our topic that we're going to discuss 
continues from last week's show, Veterans Homelessness, and we will be right back. If you're listening to AMBETS Radio, you're already interested in building the organization. And we all know that the key to our continued growth is getting the Gulf War and later veterans involved. So I want to suggest that you go to communicate with them where they already are. That's right, online. Your post needs a fresh, current web page and a Facebook page to bring them there. Veterans Web Design is just who you need to help get the job done. At Veterans Web Design, their mission is to help veteran service organizations grow and prosper through the use of the Internet. To find out more, visit www.veteranswebdesign.com. If you're looking for a way to show your support to our military men and women serving in harm's way, then donate new or used DVDs to AMBET's Task Force DVD today. Since 2006, Task Force DVD has provided millions of hours of entertainment to troops serving on the front lines free of charge. Through your cash or DVD contributions, you can share a little piece of home with our heroes serving around the world. To learn more about Task Force DVD and to become involved, visit AMVETS.org. All right, folks, welcome back to AMVETS Radio, show number 71. I would like to take a moment to thank the following uh, departments and posts within AMVETS for making this radio show possible. It is through your financial support that we get to have this show. First and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank AMVETS Arkansas and Terry Reese for all of his love and contribution to the show. Uh, Looking forward to spending 14 hours on the road with him, Alex, in the next next week going to Florida. And I told him, I said, I sure hope you love me after we get through this drive. Also want to thank AMBETS Department of Tennessee, AMBETS Department, or AMBETS Tennessee Post Number 45, which is, of course, your post, Alex. Jerry Reed Music City, AMBETS Post 1776, Nashville. Ron Bottomley. Also want to thank the Elks Lodge, number 1944. Even they support AMBETS Radio. The Tri-Cities Military Affairs Council, Veterans Web Design, and, of course, my company, Painters Dream Productions. It's always a privilege to be able to be a part of this. I'm realizing that uh, we started this back in May of last year, Alex, and not knowing all that we were going to go through and not knowing if the show – I love when she mentioned about – how she had this dream idea. Let me tell you, Ambit's radio was a dream for somebody. And I didn't know how far it was going to go. I just knew that I wanted to give Ambit's an opportunity to share all the wonderful things that it could do. And um, just thankful and and privileged uh, to be able to have a conversation tonight about a topic that uh, we could have spent two hours on last week. Um, The guest that we have on tonight is the AMBETS DC first vice commander and second vice commander, Antoine Thomas and Orlando Herrera. Back on the show again um, is uh, Rose Vin. Uh, I am hoping, and I'm, I have not seen her yet, but I'm hoping. Wait, wait. Oh, 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 I stand. It. She was back. Yes, I wasn't sure, but I just see her phone number. And so we're going to get her on. And uh, let us go ahead and let's start. Let me make sure I got everybody in. Orlando, you there, sir? I'm here. Awesome. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. 
Rose, are you there? I am here. Excellent. Hold on. Antoine, are you there? Antoine? Let's see. I got his number here. Hey, Antoine. I'm going to keep his mic on. He'll figure out we're here eventually. <laughs> Miss Sheila, how you doing, my dear? I'm fine. Can you hear me? <laughs> Beautifully. Sure better than last time, right? Yes, and I, I also, I'm... I'm <laughs> you had, had to get a new what? I had to get a new phone. <laughs> Don't Just because you were on Ambet's radio? Praise God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I also we we also have the state commander of Tennessee who's on hold and he he gave us a huge compliment last week about the show and I wanted to see if he wanted to contribute to tonight's show because again I can turn everyone's mic on if if I want hold on one second Dan are you there sir Yes I am Wonderful how you doing tonight Good how you doing Good you getting ready for the convention yeah. <laughs> Lord, the, the wheels are turning, that's for sure. But you know, you're talking about well, homeless. You talk about homeless veterans. And my son was in the Navy. Of course I have a son in the Marines now. My other son, my oldest son, was in the Navy in nineteen ninety nine. And he's uh up in Oregon living in a tent right now. And so he's one of the homeless veterans, but with Eric Choice, there's options that, that he could take, but when we talk about homeless veterans, not all of them, you know, follow the path of getting the help they need. That's where he's at, and he's happy with that, and just want to let, let you all know that. Okay. Well, let's, let's open – Let's go ahead and, 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 and open up the floor because we talked about a lot of things last week uh, in regards to this. And I also do just want to make one more announcement. Next Tuesday, we're not going to have an AMVETS radio because Thursday, we're going to have it live at the convention. So just be aware that next Tuesday, we will. Exactly. And I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm, anyway, don't even get me started on that. So, Alex, go ahead, start the discussion, brother, and let's let's uh, let's roll forward on this. I, I mean, brother, we've already talked about this, and I mean, we can talk about this till we go blue in the face because it's that important. But we had some new topics and information brought up today by our wonderful two guests. We had Andrew, we had Jen. They added some interesting contributions to this topic. I mean, you also have to consider previous trauma when discussing the PTSD element to the contributions to homelessness about whether or not these people, these veterans, these service members, these citizens that have given so much to the country have, have truly ever been shown that love and compassion and if they've been burnt so many times by people who are supposed to care for them, provide care for them, that that it might not even be possible to get through to them because of how much they've been hurt so far by the process of life itself. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we're going down well, to Orlando that's... next week. I mean, I definitely Orlando. <laughs> a, a fellow veteran who has gone through this problem, brother. I mean, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, for me, it's um, like I mentioned last week. I, I spent 16 years on the streets uh, between New York, California, Texas, and D.C. Um, but it was my choice. Um, I I wasn't uh, one that felt that I needed the help. I felt that I could go ahead and deal with whatever came up on my own, being a Marine. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until uh, I got here to D.C. and got to the VA and found that I, I I just can't do it no more on my own. I can't. I need some help, and um, I had to let go of my pride and and certain other things, and and just say, okay, well, I need help, you know. And that was something that I was not happy to go ahead and do initially, but you know, it was something that I I wound up doing, yeah. And I still have problems with it to this day, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of veterans out there that, you know, feel the same way, you know, that I did in the past, where it's like, no, i rather stay out here, you know, in the streets. I don't trust uh, well. Um, I don't trust the system. I don't trust the government. I don't trust the VA, you know, and I'd rather be on the outside because I could deal with the outside just like I I did when I was you know, back in Vietnam, back in, you know, um, in Iraq or Afghanistan or, you know, wherever, whatever campaign they came from, you know, it's like that is easier for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what they don't realize is that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, it's like, look, we're willing to help, but how can we help a person that, and this is what I've been told, a person that's not like us. Okay, they might have been like us when they left, but they're no longer like us when they come back. Yeah. You know, and I could attest to yeah. that. You know, I could attest to that. I mean, I, I've been through three failed marriages. My relationship with my kids were not the greatest. I'm just rebuilding uh, a relationship with two of my kids out of the five. Um, you know, relationships that I've had with, you know, with, um, different women in my life have all gone to, you know, <laughs> gone off to the road and, you know, become roadkill um, because they don't understand who I am. They don't, you know, when I say leave me alone, it's for a reason. When I, you know, uh, when I just don't want to be bothered with a certain thing because it annoys me or I can't be around a crowd, you want to go to the movies and I'm like, I can't be around a lot of people. You know, they don't get it, you know, which is part of the PTSD. But if I mention PTSD, they're like, Oh, well then you should go see uh, a shrink. Okay. um, Why would I go see a shrink? What are they going to do for me? You know, besides, you know, sitting there and, and you know, I just got to blurt out my whole story. And and it, it's just one of those things where a lot of veterans just don't feel that it, it should happen that way. They should be able to come home and their family should be able to go ahead and understand right off the rip 
that is like, hey, um, you know, he's going through something. I need to help him out. Or, you know, or I need to leave him alone because, you know, you know, or if it comes down to it, it's like, look, I just don't want to live here because I just don't feel comfortable. Okay, would you rather live on your own? No, I'm going to live out in, you know, off the grid. And right. it happens. It really happens. And it's a, it's a bad place to be, but it's, it's, it's real. Can I jump in here? Go ahead, Rose. <laughs> Thanks. Because to piggyback on what Orlando was saying, there's different points of access for intervention. And it's only when the veteran is ready is that intervention going to work. Um, you know, I look at homelessness as if it was a bad tour, but getting my butt to the VA has helped immensely because there were so many, not just the resources, but the other veterans there to help as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when, you know, I'm part of a couple of different organizations now, the Montgomery County, Maryland Coalition for the Homeless Advisory Council, I'm doing the veteran liaison part. And so that's for people already in the system and the national alliance and veteran suicide. That's for people who are already in crisis. Um, right now I'm coming out of that bad tour, if you will, uh, three Rangers foundation partnered with RBC wealth management to move my family into our new apartment this past weekend. And they kitted us out from soup to nuts, from furniture to food to, you know, deodorant. And now the next step is how do I sustain this? Um, how do I not slide back into um, your know, homelessness? What, what do I need going forward? And there's, there's a lack of resources as far as that goes. I mean, I know how to balance the budget, I, but I like the support that I get from other vets to say, yep, this sucks. This is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, been a long road, you know, but we're, we're we're finally there. And when you go through this process, you're more willing. I've noticed more vets are more willing to advise others and to mentor others and to even just hold your hand and let you vent on how the mm-hmm. process goes because it doesn't end with just getting a new apartment or a new home. Mm-mm. Now, now, Jen. Uh, from the Good Cemeterian and Luke and Lulu's mentioned uh, her goal to eventually kind of merge the process of helping shelter dogs get that second chance through our homeless veterans, kind of like a, a therapy program, and also possibly get them into a program as a service or companion or support dog. What do you guys think of that as a possibility? Do you think that would actually help with the process? I mean, since a lot of you guys are, are very familiar with the process, that's why we love having you on the show. What, the, what's your the opinion? Problem is, the problem is that sometimes, like when our veterans, if they get their vouchers or they, uh, they're placed in apartments or rooming houses, it depends on the landlord if they can bring their pet with them. That's another stipulation that a lot of vets run in that have dogs as companions but the landlord won't always accept them. They tell them no. Now, here's a question. Now, if they're service animals or emotional support animals, 
according to ADA, that landlord is supposed to allow them in. Does that typically not – do you typically see some of these landlords diso- not following that process? Yes, they make it cost prohibitive for the veteran. Um, they will require uh, a minimum $500 deposit and then, uh, you know, a monthly fee for the animal. So they work very hard to exclude veterans uh, with therapy animals from housing. Yeah, they, that's what they've been doing because we even had yeah. a, a, a lady come in with her dog. Luckily, we took her because, you know, she had, that was her companion. That she suffered with PTSD also, and the transition in housing at first didn't want to let her in. I said, and I told them, you you can't tell her she can't bring that dog with her. I mean, that dog has papers from VA that that is mm-hmm. her sidekick, and she needs to have her sidekick with her. Yeah, and it's it's highly illegal to even tell somebody no. You can't bring a service dog somewhere or a therapy animal. Well, oh, and 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 that's where, and that's where you know I, I like I mentioned last week that you know folks need to know, um, you know the veterans need to know what's going on. A lot of veterans don't know that they can go ahead and push that issue, um, when it comes to their service animal. If they, you know, the the companion service, animal service, dog, you know, whatever, that the landlord, you know, has to be compliant. But the landlord will go ahead and sort of take the throw of the dice and say, you know what, I don't think this this veteran knows. So it's right. like, you know what, no, I can't have that that animal here, or yeah. um, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars per month. Or, or per year to have this animal here, so just to discourage them. So now it's like, okay, what what do I do now? But if the veteran is already aware, okay, then the person that winds up, in, you know, in a bad spot is now the landlord. And the only thing the landlord could do at that point is say no. Well, then we know why. So now that becomes a discriminatory thing. And as long as the veteran is willing to go ahead and push it. That, better, that landlord has a problem. But again, it comes back to the education of the veteran. A lot of veterans will not take service animals because of this issue, that a lot of landlords will yeah. turn them down. Yeah. Okay. And a lot I'm, of- supposed to, I'm supposed to have a, you know, I'm supposed to have a service animal. And where I live right now, um, I, I decided not to do it because I know I knew it wasn't going to be a problem. It's just that I knew that there would be questions based on my neighbors. Why, if he has a service, you know, a dog, because they're not going to see the, the the dog as a service animal. They're just going to say, oh, well, if he has a dog, why can't I have one? So to avoid all that problem, I just said, forget it. Okay, I'm not going to do it right now, you know. And I'm in a small space, and I don't want to go ahead and put the dog in a position of being cooped up in a small space. It's already me, and I'm like, ah, I I go through enough. But, you know, if I was in a larger space or I was being provided a larger space, you know, then it's like, hey, fine. But, you know, you have to look at it as that's one issue. The other issue is now this veteran has to go ahead and be be willing and able 
to take care of another living being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of them can't do that. Some of them have a hard time taking care of themselves. So taking care of uh, a service animal now becomes a problem. It becomes so somewhat of a burden. What do they do? The to- yeah, so the toss-up is if I do it, can I do it? Can I continue to do it? Or if I do do it, then you know what? I'd rather not be in housing. I'll stay out on the street and I can have my service animal and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Because I, there's a whole bunch of them I've met, you know, in the D.C. area that have service animals and they live out in the street. Yes, and they prefer do. to do it that way. Well, I mean, we talked last week as well about not only what Post 45 is doing as in walking these veterans through the process by basically holding their hand through it and advising them every step of the way. Do you feel like, you know, that's what some of these veterans need, especially the ones with service animals? I feel like, personally myself, you will have less people able in discriminatory practices and illegal practices when you have veterans. Like, this is what we are here to do as AMVETs. We're supposed to, as a veteran service organization, find these people and hold them accountable for the illegal things that they are doing to our nation's veterans and make sure our nation's veterans get help. And, I mean, we're doing a good service by bringing it to light, but I feel like it needs to go that extra step and make sure that the local prosecuting office or the local, you know, inspector general or, you know, equal opportunity authority finds out and and holds their feet to the fire because these are our nation's veterans. These are not just veteran lives that we're talking about, but we're talking about the lives of creatures such as dogs, cats, you know, Mm -hmm. birds, whatever you may have, whatever service animal you may have. These creatures are devoting their life. Another living thing is devoting its life to making sure that that veteran's life is easier, that that veteran knows what love is. And vice versa. Right. And I mean, do you, do you think that that needs to happen more? That we need to, you know, on ourselves even. I'm I'm taking this off the homeless veteran because we are the veteran service officers. We are the veteran service organization. Do you think we as AMVETS and other veteran service organizations need to be holding these people more accountable for their illegal actions and helping these veterans get through the process every step of the way? I believe they do. Yeah, they need they need fire held to their feet because when I worked with the organization, you know, I knew a lot of stuff that vets were entitled to and I try to tell my coworkers, those that weren't even veterans, that didn't understand a lot of stuff that I brought my knowledge to them. But they didn't want to listen to that. They didn't want animals in there. They didn't want pregnant women in there. They didn't want the uh, veterans that had children to come up in their room and spend time with them and stuff. So they they really need the fire held to their feet because they do an injustice to these veterans, you know, and and it don't make sense. And I tried to get a lot of the veterans you know, to, to voice their opinion, to write, you know, write to the VAIG, you know, because I'm just one person. I can't do it all by myself, but I have sent, you know, the IG uh, four-page letter on them 
uh, last November, I sent it on there, exposing them for who they are. You know, when they give these contracts out, you know, these organizations are not holding up to what they told VA they would do for the veterans. And that's where they failed the veterans with the food. You know, you don't give a dog food like that. Some of that food is, is unhealthy. Like I said, we had people with uh, stage four cancer that couldn't even eat healthy mm. unless they went and bought the food. They didn't care. And I asked the ED and I asked the program manager, how can you sleep at night knowing that you go home and get a nice full dinner or you wake up and have a nice breakfast and then you Speaking leave the eggs, veterans you know what I mean? <laughs> in the morning eating cereal or either a muffin when these people are on five, six, seven different types of medication. Their medicine yeah, is not going to absorb in their stomach from a cereal mm-hmm. or muffin. And these are some of the same people that will come to work after eating steak and eggs with a, a nice Thank bowl you. of some mixed fruit, you know, throwing some blackberries in with their cereal. You know, they'll have like special K, cut up some strawberries, throw it in. And I'll go home, have a four-course meal for dinner. Exactly. And then, you know, you have a veteran who's got stage four cancer eating a muffin and some Chex Mix with and no he spoon. Can't eat this. <laughs> you know, that man should have been housed on emergency on the, on the account of his health issue. He was dying. He had a wife and kids. They, there should, was it's not just separate, even housing. Like there hospitalization was two, even. Right. They was in two separate shelters. She was yeah. at the civilian shelter, and he was at our our uh, uh, transitional housing. You separated the family. His wife would come catch the bus across town to come see him every day and try to bring him food from like a health store because he wasn't getting his meals. Now, here's my thing. Hey, I wouldn't be doing hey, my Alex, job as the devil's hold advocate. On. Okay. Go ahead, hey, Alex, hold that, hold that thought one second because we just got a call in. And, uh, I mean, again, you, you know me with call-in guests, but this doesn't happen to be just any call-in guest. This is our, our first national commander, <laughs> our first <laughs> Reed Riley. Uh, had, he called me and had some comments, and I want to go ahead and, and bring Reed on uh, because he's got some comments. Hey, Reed, are you there, sir? Yes, sir, I am. All right, you're on AMBETS Radio. Welcome back. How you doing? I'm just doing fine. Thank you all very much for having me on. Just want to make a couple quick comments. Hello? Looks like... Yes, yes sir, I am. Okay, if you... If you have it in the background, go ahead and turn it turn it off because it's getting an echo. Okay. There you go. How's that? Okay. Perfect. Go uh, ahead, sir. Uh, what, what I've been hearing uh, is really really fine. Um, uh, people getting together and and working on uh, taking care of our homeless veterans and and uh, when. Uh, National Commander uh, John S. Sisler, he, he put me in, in uh, uh, on the um, committee for homeless veterans, uh, and 
it brings to mind the things that we need to realize. Uh, no matter what way and walk of life that we live, uh, there are homeless veterans, uh, both male and female. And, and unfortunately, a lot of our homeless veterans throughout this country now are uh, are females, and 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 it's really a shame. Uh, we have we have to take our time and and. Um, and get together and and find these people and 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 get them back into the to the, the uh, walk of life and 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 get them back into society and 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 take care of them because you know what they are us and 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 we are them and and that's what we have to take that's what we have to do. I mean, I've, I've listened to the program. Everybody has good thoughts and and, and good um, uh, intuitions and, and and things that we should do. But the, the best thing that, that we can do is, is make sure that we get together as as an organization, and and um, whether we have some other organizations that want to join us, hopefully, would, but they would, as far as bringing our homeless veterans off the streets and uh, you know off the, the the shelters into a home where they can call their own, and that's the most important thing. You are so right. You're so right because I've I've uh, dealt I brought in a, a few women um, veterans that didn't even know that there was programs uh, transitional programs for you know for female veterans and I had one young lady that was working at the airport uh, airport part time and she would sleep at the airport on the grates and her. Husband and son was sleeping in a van across town because they they were homeless, and we couldn't. Um, she couldn't get into a homeless shelter uh, with her husband and and a child, which was a baby, because yeah. DC only has DC only has one family center, and they don't take in a lot of families, maybe ten or twelve at the most, and that's it. Well, what what we have to do is take those one or two. Ten to twelve, whatever. We have to we have to approach them in one way or another throughout the entire country to to, to get people who want to go down and say, "Hey, you're homeless. What's happening? You're a veteran. You know, let's let let's get us let let let's get all of us off the streets and 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 let's get together and 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 take care of our own." That's right. <clears throat> well, and I, 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 I feel like. That. It goes a step further than that because us as a veteran service organization, I mean, we've talked about other organizations who have done wrong by veterans. We've talked about landlords who have done wrong by veterans. But I think what it truly comes down to is accountability. You know, I mean, this is AMVETS Radio, and I wouldn't be doing my job as a devil's advocate if I didn't mention it. We are AMVETS. We are an organization. We are a veteran service organization. And I can't speak to the VFW. I can't speak to the American Legion, although I'd like to see more out of these organizations. I can't speak to that because I'm a member of AMVETS. I'm an officer in AMVETS, and I'm the co-host of AMVETS Radio. What I think we need to do is address the fact that we need more veteran service officers, more officers at at AMVETS posts, at departments, the national level. We need to take accountability for our own actions. I mean – how many of us have talked on this show and have seen these things? But then again, how many of us have actually gone to appropriate authorities and held these people accountable? 
I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there who know that these things happen, who, who know that of, of one or two or three homeless vets that it's happened to before in the past, who haven't gone that extra mile and held these people accountable. And who, who's to blame? You know what I mean? We're the veteran service officers. At what point do we hold ourselves accountable for not stopping this discriminatory process from happening to another single veteran? No, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, I agree. And go ahead, sir. Go ahead, go ahead, sir. Well, I, I believe I believe that as an organization, the Vets, uh, we we could pass this along to uh, our state departments, our, our our regions, and our districts, and 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 our local posts to uh, try and, and and search out someone somewhere. So we'd like to step out and step up, I'm sorry, and step up and say, hey, you know what, I can help this out one way or another. And and, and we, we can't let all the pressure be levied on, 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 the, uh, on the national headquarters or, or our state mm-hmm. departments, but we have, to, we have to get the entire organization involved with, uh, hey, hey, you know what, if we can get one, one veteran off the street at a time, uh, uh, throughout the entire country, if, if we all get together, and 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 uh, I mean we 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 have the, the the suicide prevention thing, we're working the the ambulances really in the forefront on on on, on, on taking care of, of trying to keep our veterans from uh, you know uh, destroying their lives and and we need we need to um, take care of that too. But we also need to take care of our homeless veterans, who, 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 eventually one or two of them may unfortunately become one of those, one of the twenty-two people. You know, we have we have to make sure that we we, we take care of them all, and, and and it's going to be a long and hard journey. But if if we can get the word out to our entire organization that if we can get one person, just one person. From each post in our entire organization to step up and say, "I'm going to go find that homeless veteran," or "I'm going to find that that person who's thinking about suicide," um, and 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 talk them in into, into coming back and, and and you know getting back into the fold. That that's what we need. We need communications to to be and and uh, to, to go through our our entire organization to where we can. Where we can um, bring these people back in, in into society and, and 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 the people who are thinking about doing the the, the suicide thing, uh, bringing them back into reality and saying, no, there are people who care, and there are people who are, who are here to listen, and and they want you to you know do the right thing. So that that's my, that's my thoughts on 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 that, and and I just I just wish that um, and and my hope. For the future is that we can all get together and work as an organization and what they call the Amvets family, work to bring all our family back into the organization, and we can continue and grow and and be as one. I think, Reg, that you you Absolutely. have truly hit upon hit upon something that I think uh, we have an elephant in the room now, and I'm not talking about myself. What I'm talking about is coming up at this national convention, Reg, you uh-huh. are going to become the, nas- the next national commander for AMVETS. 
Well, what I, I can we do? I certainly hope so. You, you don't take nothing for granted, what? but I just I, I certainly hope so. Well, what can we do as far as AMBETS Radio and as far as those listening? What can we do to help you maybe make this? Because, I mean, I, I know you have your programs, your upcoming things, which you want to do, and I know how you feel about the homelessness, and I know how you feel about female veterans. But what can we do in this upcoming year? To continue to bring, I mean, because we can't have every show on homeless veterans, on veterans' homelessness, because we have so many topics to cover. But what can we do in order to to help put this into action, especially well, those who are listening to this show? Okay, well, those who are listening to this show, tell the people who aren't listening to the show to get on board. Get 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 you guys uh, at Amvets Radio to uh, get you the support that you need to to continue to be on the air and to continue to bring Amvets to the forefront. And um, I, I tell you what, I, I have friends of mine who know how how much involved I am in Amvets, and, and I, I'm a retired railroader from CSX, and I have a lot of the young guys. Who 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 um, who were Desert Storm veterans and you know uh, Iraqi veterans and everything and and we brought them on board, but I turned them in to uh, tuned them I should say tuned them into Ambet's uh, Radio and they and they listen and they call me every once in a while and 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 the best thing is that we have to contribute a couple bucks every once in a while to keep Ambet's Radio on board and, and, and keep putting out the message and, and supporting everything that, that the Amitz organization is about. And and I know, you know, everybody say, well, a dollar here, a dollar there. But you know what? A couple of dollars towards the Amitz radio is the best way to keep Amitz up in the forefront, ahead of everything else, and, 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 and keep us going forward. Man, I, I could not have paid you to make a better message, Rage. <laughs> You're 100% correct. I mean, that's, again, we are on the forefront with this. And yes, this is are. just the beginning. And, and, and I'm, I'm very excited about the future because, again, as, more, as technology, there was a gentleman I, I spoke to in regards to this. I think, wait, did you and I talk about the soldiers overseas? Was it you and I talking about that, Reach? No. There are soldiers overseas who listen to Ambest Radio. And I, who did I have this conversation with? But me and you talked about what's it, happening is was it you and me? Go yes, sir. Well, was it? Go ahead, Alex. I, I mean, this is a very this is again, you know, th- these guys. Are eventually will be coming home, and mm-hmm. so because they're coming home, they're getting this knowledge about the military sexual assault, about the PTSD, about the homeless veteransness. I mean, we are educating a lot of people through this show who aren't even home yet, and when they do come home, if they do run into an issue with any of these topics that we're talking about, you guys don't realize the contribution that you're putting into the show. And who it's reaching. So thank you for, it's not for just, being a part of it. And, and Go ahead. It's not just educating them, Perry. It's also confirming what they're seeing with their own eyes and letting them know they're not alone. 
that this right. problem is known right. by organizations such as AMVETS and that organizations like AMVETS care and that organizations like AMVETS through AMVETS Radio are talking about ways to come up with solutions to solve these problems. Absolutely. I mean, let, let, let's look at it this way. Um, okay, you have four people on this show, okay, that are veterans, that are homeless, and they are now doing better. Myself, Antoine Thomas, Sheila Scarborough, Rose Vint. Okay, we, we've all been homeless, we've all come home, we've all gone through everything that has taken place in being homeless, and now we're, you know, we're doing a lot better. We're not perfect, but we're at least doing better, okay? Post 12, Anvis Post 12 recognizes that, okay? And though we don't have a national service officer in the whole department or even in our post, Post 12 has made it his business to go ahead and make sure because at least two of the four people that I mentioned have been homeless that are in post 12. We go ahead and we go out and we speak to the veterans that are either in transitional housing that are out in the street. And, you know, it's like, Hey, what do you need? How can we help you? Look, we've got this uh, program coming up where you can get your DD-214 upgraded or, um, you know, you need to get your DD-214 or we can go ahead and get you registered at the VA. Whatever it takes to go ahead and get that veteran that's out on the street one step closer to uh, being somewhat normal, okay? And, and for us as veterans, our normality is different from those that haven't been in the military. But but for us, you know, we're one step closer to being normal, to, to being, you know, uh, having a, at least a, a place to sleep, having a, you know, um, meals, having health care, whatever the case may be, because we all deserve that. We've all served. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it comes down to every day that, you know, with us at Post 12, we go ahead and we, we go the extra mile. We go, we go ahead and we, we sit on Capitol Hill and go ahead and speak to senators and congressmen to go ahead and, and find out what can be done. You know, we, we speak to the local leaders, you know, the council members here in D.C. to go ahead and, and see what can be done to get a lot more of these veterans off the street and into their own. You know, and then of course we have our meetings and and shouting matches and whatever else you want to call it with those at the VA hospital. Because I'm noticing now that a lot of veterans are showing up at the VA hospital here in DC, and they will sit there all day. And it's not yeah. that they have appointments; it's that they're there because they have nowhere else to go. Exactly. You know, that is the, that is the roof over their head until they leave. And, of course, the VA hospital doesn't really mm-hmm. shut its doors, but by 8 o'clock at night they try to push everybody out. Okay, mm-hmm. so you oh, yeah. have from 6 o'clock in the morning that, that those doors open up to the general public until it closes its doors that the veteran could go ahead and sit around in some part of that hospital out of the way and feel okay because they have a roof over their head. They'll go ahead and if they have to panhandle, they'll go ahead and and inadvertently go ahead and panhandle just so they could go ahead and get a meal, you know. But and, and this, that, is what, and, this is what's and going that, on, and, and a lot that, of folks don't see that. 
That's disgraceful. Yeah. That they have to do. And that. they they have all their belongings with them that they carry every day, all day. I mean, let's think about it this way. I mean, we've all seen Rambo, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you remember that scene from Rambo where he's carrying everything in his life on his back, just walking down the highway, wondering. You know what I yep. mean? And and that true yeah. sense of like no one cares. When I came yeah. on as the third vice yeah. commander at the Invest Post Forty Five, we had it was. Uh, I I love the Invest Post Forty Five. It's near and dear to my heart, so I'm going to put it on blast a little bit. It was. October of 2016, I had just gotten out of the service. I had just retired, came on board, and within about a month, I was appointed as third vice commander at the post. Well, anybody want to take a guess on how many community service hours we had conducted? One. One community service hour. (laughs) That was it. No, nothing else. That was all we had conducted, one hour of community service. Now, that's the problem I think we have within the organization, and I'm going to put it on blast as well. We have, and I, me and Steve Norwood talked about this today, and I don't even mind you know, saying that because he recognizes it's a problem. We have too many people within this organization who take positions of responsibility who are supposed to be serving our veterans and are only doing it for a title. Yeah. I came in, we had done one hour of community service. Now we are leading the nation in community service for homeless veterans. We did one-third of the national program value out of Amex <laughs> Code 45 in, 2006, in 2017. There is no reason that any other post in the nation cannot keep up with those numbers. There's no reason. Right. To me, I'm, I'm proud that we were one-third, but I'm ashamed of other posts that so easy for us to be that high in our numbers that set it that far apart, that we were able to conduct one-third of the national program value. It shames me, and I know what the reason is, because we have people in positions who are supposed to be taking action, serving for our veterans, but they're doing it because they want the title and they don't want to do anything else, and that needs to change. Well, I I think Antoine's trying to speak. I think Antoine's trying to speak right now. Hold on, hold on. Let me make sure because his he said his mic was on, but then I was getting a lot of feedback. Let me see. Hold on. Where'd he go? Hold on. Where'd you go? Hold on. Let's see. Come on. Antoine, you there, sir? Can you hear me? Yes. Praise God. Can you hear me? Okay, go, Antoine. Okay. Um... I want to echo uh, what Commander Herrera said about uh, what we do at Post 12 and responsibility of every post within AMBETS. Um, we've had the dual opportunities from our previous past um, department commander to put us in a position where he knew we would actually stand up for what was right and use our post as a model post to demonstrate what it So I think we've gotten to a culture at certain posts, not all posts. Here in Washington, D.C., we are the epicenter. 
of helping veterans across the nation. It's the nation's capital. But we do have people in positions not only within AMBES, out of AMBES. We work that do take things as title and they believe that when the mission is to help all veterans, regardless of title. So Post 12 is taking that charge along with There's a lot of feedback, and I hear what you're saying, but barely. And what you're saying is really important, so I don't know if there's a way to minimize that feedback. Do you by any chance have it coming through, like, speaker or any – any? how are you connected? Are, are, are you via headset or Bluetooth or what? If he's sitting by a radio, he could turn his radio down. You hear me now? Yes. You hear me now? There's yes. still a little bit of feedback, but I could hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so as as opposed to that taking to the national headquarters, they recognize twelve as to do more than that exists as a commander or vice commander. We've taken the charge to single ourselves out for ourselves from that. But collectively use our influence as part of the department to actually send a message to our leaders, send a message to everyone that needs so we do go out in the community to ensure that we are doing our but we enlisted feedback so that we can be a better place and a better department. And we do use our technology spread across the country in social media. And we have one of the largest footprints here in Washington, D.C. to open our door up to other folks, other departments, when others believe that should not be something we should be doing. It's something that we believe we shouldn't have to be restricted geography and boundaries just because we're opposed to DC. So we also recognize that as a challenge with the organization, but we also believe the organization can best power so much more. Definitely, and I appreciate that you can acknowledge that there are fellow leaders within our organization that are not doing their purpose. They're not serving their purpose. They're doing it for a title. And that goes back to what we talked with about with Andrew Loomish when we talked with Jen, when we, we talked with a lot of these people, is you can't do it <laughs> for the title. You can't do it for, like, you know, there's a difference doing it for a title, for recognition, for monetary gain, and then there's a difference for somebody who actually cares, who wants to make a difference, and, and you are entrusted with the responsibility and the charge of helping the veterans with not only in your community, but I don't – If I, I travel to Kentucky quite a bit. I travel to Indiana quite a bit. I travel all across Tennessee. Now, if I'm in an area and I come across a vet who needs help, I will try as my hardest, even though I'm out of Post 45 in Henry County, if I'm in Clarksville, if I'm in Nashville, if I'm in Chattanooga, if I'm in Knoxville, if I'm all the way up in, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, if I'm up in Evansville, Indiana, 
I'm going to help that vet. I'm going to get a hold of the local service organization. I'm going to find out who's supposed to be helping them. I'm going to make sure that vet gets helped. I don't care if it's within my geography or not. I was charged as third vice commander not only to make sure legislation happens, but community service. And that's my job, and I take it very seriously. And we need leaders who take it seriously. And it can't just be the same ten over and over and over stepping up. Well, first and foremost, Alex, let me just kind of play your role in this, and let me play the devil's advocate. And, of course, I don't know about every – I don't know about every single AMVET, but here's what I can tell you. Almost 80% of the AMVETs that have been on this show are just as passionate as you are. I think in any organization, you always have a small percentage of people who, who are doing exactly as you say. But I know that there are people listening to this show who don't understand your heart, who, who, who might mistake what you're saying. And let me right. just, for the record, state that, again, in any organization, in any family, you have this problem, not just – I mean, in churches, you have this problem. So I think overall, as long as you and I continue to do our very best in all that we are given by God, then we will honor him. You'll always have that, though, in, in no matter where you go. And I can definitely tell you on the national level, there is not one person who's there for a title. I know that exactly. because I've specifically spoken to them. I know on the state levels, from the state commanders I've talked to, they're passionate about it. So I don't know, and, and I'm, I mean, again, we're, we're not here to point fingers. We're, we're always here to encourage. But at the same time, let this show challenge every listener to make a step forward more than what they're doing if they can, specifically for this topic. And I'm, I'm glad Reed called in because, Reed, you know, you, 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 your, your project, which you're going to be working on, whatever that's going to be, uh, is going to be a, a priority for you. And, and I know that as we look forward to the future of AMBETS, um, we have a lot of changes that are going to take place. What, what's your thought, Reed, as far as in – in, because again, you're you're at a level that 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 some of us are are not, and I just want to make sure that, that 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 for anybody that's listening, any state commander, any part of any service foundation, what 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 advice can you give them uh, if they have people within their post that are not doing what they need to do? What what's the best way to handle that? Well. We've had we've had people in our post uh, in, in my post that um, uh, they left left the organization. Uh, they had you know personal problems and what have you, but um, we reached out to them. Say, hey, listen, you know, you know, it, it could be worse. It, it, it could be better. But in order to make better, you have to step forward and and make sure that you can make it better. But the thing is. Um, Everybody has to realize that everybody has a different situation in, in their mindset and what have you. But uh, the the best thing we can do for all those people is is to reach out to them and say, "Hey, we're here for you. If if if, if you need if you need something, let us know. Uh, don't don't keep it to yourself. Uh, you know, uh, step forward and help yourself out a little bit too. And and 
the people, uh, the thing is with this, um, it has to be on a, on a local. It has to start with the post level, and 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 work up to the to to the regions and to the to the states and to the to the national, where we reach out to people in our neighborhood. Uh, you know, I mean, I know I know there's people. I've, I've talked to people who we we've taken off the streets. Years ago, I mean, before uh, homeless veterans was a, a a big priority for Ambets, which you know it's been for a while. But I mean, this is before uh, we've got we've got guys, and and one of them I, I was in the service with, uh, he 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 just wanted to leave society, and he lived underneath the railroad tracks where, where I worked, and you know, and I just said, hey, you you know, you got to, you you got to get out of here. You got to come up, and, and and you're a veteran. You got to live a better life. And right now, right now, I'm going to say 30 years later, this guy is, is very productive. He's living a very productive life. He, he's 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 doing well. He, he he's a member of our post. He, he supports anything anything that the MS is willing to do. He he supports them whole, wholeheartedly. And and I believe that it, it's a one-on-one situation where. Uh, not just you know, don't rely on just the national to do this all the time, but start out with the post level and 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 go into your neighborhood and say, hey, you know, I know there's somebody here, you know, and and it, they make it known themselves. Like I, I went to the uh, Pittsburgh Pirate game uh, this past Sunday with my grandson, his uh, first time he's been to a uh, major league baseball game, and my wife and. Uh, there was two guys standing on the corner, and they had signs on that says, "I'm a homeless veteran." And I said to him, "I said, well, tell me, what's your what is a DD-214?" And he told me what a DD-214 was. He told me what his MOS was. He told me the years in service. They, I gave him an application for Emmett's, and I gave him two bucks. And I said, "Now listen, you got my card. You got my application for Emmett's. I want to hear from you." And in and, and, and the next couple of days, and I haven't heard nothing yet, but he said, trust me, sir, I will. But that's the, that's the way it has to be done. And and, and we have to get people from our, our post throughout the entire country and, and say, hey, let, let's go out to our community and find, and find these people. Now, Reed, I, I love that Just answer. like you and said, I Alex. Kinda, Yes. Just like you said, the one-on-one, when we started this conversation, that was the first point you made, was that it has to be done one one by one. Yes. But with this organization, with this organization that we have, we have enough we have enough people in this organization that we can get anywhere between 1,000 to, to 2,000, 3,000 uh, homeless veterans off the street in the next year or two or three years, uh, just like Indication. And like Perry was asking too. Now let's say you ha- like I'm, I'm I, I was kind of disgruntled before about it because it's something that does aggravate me because of the responsibility that comes with being an officer with an AMVETS post or at any level. Now if you have somebody at your post or in your department that is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, Reach, how would you recommend somebody go about making a change within that? Well, and, and and I'm just speaking for my post level. Uh, um, 
we put people up for a nomination who want to run for the office. And before they get, uh, uh, before our nomination is closed for that, that particular meeting, because you have to go through the three steps, at the end of the first first nomination process, we read what their responsibility is. And if you're not willing to accept that responsibility to that office, then step aside. And and believe it or not, there there have been people in, in, in my post, which I'm sure has been done in, in a lot of other posts, that, well, I'm not going to do that. I just want the title. And I heard that earlier where people said they run for the job just to have the title. Um, and here again, uh, getting back to the post level, uh, if, if you want, if you want that job, be be willing to accept the responsibility that goes with the job and do that job. And that's- well, I, I could, I, if I can, if I can, I would like to piggyback off of that because in post twelve, yes, I've I've made it clear. Um, if you're going for a position, you have to do the job. If you're not doing the job, and I see that within the six months of me doing programs and I'm putting in the program report, and I see you haven't really done much of anything, well, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to go ahead, put it in writing for the department and also for national that you are going to be stripped from that position, okay, and you just become a regular member. And, and, I, and I'm very clear about that because if I wind up doing my, so much work and, and my first vice you know, we're we're putting in 20-hour days, you know, and doing what we have to do for veterans, okay? I don't expect you to do that, you know, but if I ask you to go to represent us at an event or or something of the sort, and you want to go ahead and give me excuses every week that, you know, something's going by, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to say, well, then it's not, you know, it's not about veterans. It's about you. And if I it's going to be about you, I don't need you. That's right. I, I don't I, need I, you. I'll I mean, just you have to do and that. That's it. You You're can't. done. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's your responsibility to do that. That's called being a responsible leader. I mean, look, the last VA secretary I thought did an amazing job, but I don't think he got it done quick enough. And that's why I think he got replaced. Right. Trump is running out of time, and he knows it. He's only – I mean, he's, he'll win again for another four without a doubt. But, I mean, you got – there is a job that has got to be done. And as a leader, if you see something and you don't say something, that's going to reflect you. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly. want that responsibility. I haven't heard from Rose in a while. You still there, Rose? Oh, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm listening intently. Um, I, I, honestly, uh, one of the biggest presences that I've found uh, at the VA, as far as um, veteran service organizations go, is AMVETS. Uh, AMVETS is not known for dollar beer night on Tuesday. So if you need something done or you need a resource, <laughs> you know, if you need a resource navigator. You know who has the hat on, or you know somebody who knows somebody else uh, where to go. Um, they have a very, very all-encompassing presence uh, at the VA. And one of the best answers I ever heard was when I had a question for another uh, veteran 
was, I don't know, but I will look into that and I will get back to you. And it wasn't open-ended. It was, I will get back to you by Friday. And they did. And that's awesome. And yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things, like, I mean, I actually, and I want to put this into perspective because, I mean, we talk a lot, a lot about EMVEST, but here's some advice that I have for other organizations or other posts. And that is, if you have a VFW or an American Legion or another veteran service organization, such as DAV or VV, uh, Vietnam Veterans of America, in your area, become familiar with them. Have a working relationship. On Sunday, I got a call uh, from a homeless veteran, and he went to the local VFW because he had never heard of AMVETS. He went to the local VFW and asked for some help. The VFW says, actually, we want to help you, but Mr. Conley, the third vice over at Post 45, has been doing amazing things for homeless veterans. How about giving him a call because he'd be more than happy to help you? And there's no shame in that. Wow. There's no shame in that. Work with other organizations. If you are not familiar with the process, but you know somebody at the DFW is making amazing headway with it, send somebody to them. There's no shame in that. And then work with that person at the VFW who's good at that, or the American Legion, VVA, a DAV. Work with that person and to become proficient at what it is you're trying to do. Because there's no shame. We shouldn't be partisan. It's, right. it's kind of like politics. I don't care whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're independent. If you're doing something that's helping our nation's veterans, I can get behind it. And that's how our service organizations should work as well. Now, mm-hmm. I do not want to be the bearer of bad news, but I have to. <laughs> we have run out of time. We have. I'm sorry. And again, y'all have been absolutely awesome. And uh, I know that the, the next two shows are going to be um, August 9th and August 10th at the National Convention. Antoine, thank you. Antoine and I will be thank there. Thank you for your uh, – well, listen, thank you guys so much for all that you've done to help promote this topic, to promote the show and uh, look forward to meeting you guys face to face, finally. And Absolutely. Um, of course, she, uh, Sheila, thank you for your participation in this conversation. And Rose, y'all have been awesome. Alex, it was a great idea. Reed, thank you for joining us. Looking forward to um, to seeing you at the national convention. And uh, again, don't forget, folks, about the pancake breakfast that's going to take place to help raise funds for the juniors. And uh, as I stated, we will not be having a show on Tuesday because we will be having a show on Thursday and Friday. And uh, again, I can't thank you guys enough for being part of the show. And um, this is Ambeth's radio show number 71, July 31st, 2018. And we will see you at the 2018 AMBETS National Convention in Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening to AMBETS Radio.